right, thank you so much. You may have your seats. We certainly want to welcome all of you who are gathered here this morning in this worship service. Jesus told us that whenever we gather together like this, he promised a special presence. Hallelujah. And he's told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. So I want to thank God for those of you who are being obedient to what he has called us to do. And you're gathering together every week to God be the glory. We want to welcome those of you who are watching online, wherever you are, wherever you are in the world. Thank God for the technology that allows us to minister to people all over the world. Welcome to Harvest and welcome to this wonderful, wonderful worship experience where Jesus is always present. Amen. I want to speak to the members of our church. Those of you who've been away for a year, a year plus, when are you coming back? What are you waiting on? Uh, don't allow the comfort and the convenience of simply staying home to cause you not to follow the instructions of Scripture. The Bible tells us that God would have us to gather together. He said, but I can watch online. Yes, you can, but I'm sure you didn't experience the presence of the Lord like we just did here. Uh, and remember, it's, it's not just receiving. When you read the scriptures, the instructions are that we should love one another, kiss one another, greet one another, fellowship with one another, serve one another. How, how can you do that if you're never gathering with the one another's? So we understand there was a time when coming together was, there was a lot of uncertainty, but I believe we're past that time now. And I want to encourage you, many of you are remaining home simply because it's convenient. It's time for you to come back and start gathering. If you have real health concerns, we understand, but most of you don't. And so those of you who don't need to consider coming back, and let's start gathering as the Lord would have us to do. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to take this thing now and, and, and make a mockery of Christ and his, and his people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, let's do that. Anybody has any has, has problems from time to time with unbelief? Anybody has problems with telling the truth? <laughs> okay, I'll tell the truth. I have problems at times with unbelief. Amen. My faith is not always what? It should be. I find myself when I should be believing and not wavering. I find myself questioning, wondering from time to time. So I have a problem with unbelief. Anybody else now can admit, now that your bishop, now that your bishop has confessed his sins, will you confess your sin with me? <laughs> Amen. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about, about unbelief and is there help for those of us who do struggle with lack of faith, insufficient faith, unbelief, however you define it? You know, there's a scripture that I want us to turn to in, in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 9. And there's a story there that you're familiar with. But in that story, uh, Jesus is up on the mountain and he's with his, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he's transfigured before them. They have such a wonderful experience up on the mountain. And then when they come down the mountain, Jesus sees this crowd. He goes to where the, the, the commotion is, and he discovers that there is a young man who, who is an, 
uh, who's demon-possessed and, and, and who's a, a lunatic. That, that's how the scripture describes him. And from time to time, from the time he was a child, the, the, this demon or demons that were in him would try to destroy him. That was what his father told Jesus, would throw him into the fire or throw him into the water to burn him or to drown him. And this man was desperate and he brought his son to Jesus, not to Jesus, he brought his son to his disciples while Jesus was up in the mountain and said, Jesus, uh, he said to his disciples, please help him. And the disciples tried, but they couldn't. And then Jesus comes down from the mountain and Jesus goes to where they are. And the man turns to Jesus and said, Jesus, if you can do anything, please have mercy on, on me. Have mercy on my son and heal him. And then Jesus responds and said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Say that, all things are possible to him who believes. And Jesus said, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to that mountain over there, move and be thrown into the sea. And he said, the mountain will obey you. And when Jesus was speaking, the scripture says the father cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He was honest. He was honest. He had faith, but his faith wasn't perfect. He had faith, but his faith was mixed with unbelief. And, and he knew that that unbelief could hinder him from receiving the breakthrough for his son. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Come on, let's say that. Lord, help my unbelief. Hallelujah. I believe this message is going to help your unbelief and help mine. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Lord, help my unbelief. Now, there are three major lessons in the story that I want to focus on this morning. Here's the first lesson. We have a faith problem. If we're honest, all of us do. The scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in this story, we see that to be the case. The father had an unbelief problem. The disciples that were trying to help had an unbelief problem. Because later they asked Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we help the young boy? Why couldn't we heal him? And Jesus says, it's because of your unbelief. And so the father's faith was not perfect. The disciples' faith was not perfect. All of those who had gathered and were part of the crowd, they were also questioning. They had a faith problem. And here's the reality. Every human being has a faith problem. You have, I have. We all have sinned and falling short of the glory of God and and I've discovered that I too have fallen short even in the area of faith. Believing God and not wavering under any circumstance. I am not perfect at that and neither are you. Hallelujah. So that's the first lesson and I'm going to be brief and then we're going to pray. But that's the first lesson. There's a faith problem. In the world, there's a faith problem. In the church, there's a faith problem. Our faith is not perfect. And yet we know how important faith is. Because the scripture says without faith is what? Impossible to please God. 
Jesus just said, if you have faith and you don't doubt, you can say to the mountain, be moved. And the mountain is removed. So having an unbelief problem, having a faith problem is a big problem because it limits us in so many ways. It robs us of so many blessings that really God wants us to have. It cheats us of, of miracles and solutions and answers to prayer. It causes certain circumstances to be prolonged much more than it needs to be. So the problem of faith and the problem of unbelief is one that, that is limiting our experience of God's favor and blessings. Hallelujah. In the story, when Jesus came down from the mountain and he healed the young man when the disciples could not, that demonstrates that the reason for the young man not being healed had nothing to do with God's will. Because if God didn't want to heal him, Jesus could not have healed him either. So the fact that the disciples didn't help him and, 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 and he was still struggling, you know, you can't come away and say, well, it was not God's will. That had nothing to do with God's will. God's will was that the young man receive his miracle and be delivered. God took no pleasure in this young man being possessed with devils that were throwing him into the fire and throwing him into, into the water. But the problem persisted because there was an unbelief problem. In the disciples, there was an unbelief problem in the uh, Father. And we just have to be honest. Okay? Many of the problems that continue to persist in our lives and our circumstances have nothing to do with, it's the will of God for me to be going through this. It has something to do with, with our faith. The unbelief that may be at work in our lives. And don't get condemned over it. Just realize that that is a very important limiting factor that can be preventing us from walking in the fullness of our inheritance. Don't get condemned. There's no condemnation, but just admit it. That's one of the problems we deal with because of the fall. So we do want to grow our faith, right? So that we can walk more fully in our inheritance in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so... That's something that we have to admit. We, world, all of us, to some degree, are experiencing limitations in our lives that have nothing to do with God's will, but has a lot to do with our unbelief. Can we admit that without being condemned? Amen. Because if we can admit it, then maybe there's some things we can start to do in order to grow our faith, or grow in our faith. All right? So that's the first thing I believe the story helps us to, to see. Here's, this, here's the second lesson. Don't wait until your faith is perfect. Don't wait until your faith is perfect or fully developed to start using whatever faith you do have. I like what Jesus said. Because after Jesus said to them that they couldn't do it because of their unbelief and all of that, Jesus also said within that context, he said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. That's not a lot of faith. Amen? That's not a lot of faith. Now, I don't think Jesus wants us to have faith the size of a mustard seed. I think Jesus wants us to have great faith. But what Jesus is saying, even with faith the size of a mustard seed, if you're willing to use the faith you have, God can do some awesome things through people whose faith are not yet perfect. 
So don't, don't, don't disqualify yourself for miracles. Don't, don't disqualify yourself for great ancestor prayer. Don't disqualify yourself from God being able to use you because your faith is not yet perfect. If I do that, I wouldn't be here preaching to you. Amen? Here's the news. Here's the good news. Even though my faith is not all that it needs to be, even though my, I want my faith to grow, even though my faith needs to grow, here's the good news. With the little faith I do have, God is willing to do some awesome things, some mighty things in my life. God is willing to do, God is able to do some awesome things for me, some awesome things in me, and some awesome things through me, even though my faith is not yet fully developed. Just a mustard seed faith, if I'm willing to take the faith I have, small or big, and use that faith, God is saying, I can move mountains through you. In other words, with just a little faith, I can solve some big problems. I'm, come on, I know I got some witnesses here who say, even though my faith is not perfect, DJ, with the little faith I have, I've seen God solve some big problems. Come on, raise your hand, raise your hand. With the little faith I have, I've seen God move some big mountains. With the little faith I have, I've seen God do some awesome things for me. I've seen God do some awesome things in me. I've seen God do some awesome things through me. With the little faith I have because I was willing to use that faith, though not perfect, I still used it. And my, 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 I, I have experienced the goodness of God. Jesus says, if I have faith just the size of a mustard seed, I can say to the mountain. In other words, if I would take that little faith or big faith, whatever it is, at whatever stage it is, and use it, speak it, declare it, act upon it, make a demand upon God's power with the faith I have. He is saying that little faith is enough for God to do some awesome things through you, for you, and in you. God can solve some huge problems through your little faith. God can move some huge mountains through your little faith. God can meet some huge needs with a mustard seed size faith. Now, that's, that's not a reason to keep it that small, but that's a reason to use it no matter the size. Because one, one thing we discovered, the the more you use it, the more it grows. It's like your muscle, right? The more you use that muscle you have, the more it grows. There was a time when Timmy used to use his muscle a lot. It was bigger. He hasn't been using it that much. <laughs> Still huge. But the more you use it, the what? It grows, right? So faith is like that. Take whatever little faith you do have and use it. And Jesus said if you will use that faith, if you will say to the mountain, if you release it, if you act upon it, you will be amazed because that's the point he's making when he said you can say to that mountain, move and elite. The point he's making is you will be amazed at the kinds of things God can and will do through people who are willing to use your faith, even if their faith is not fully developed. I believe I have a lot of witnesses here who can say, Bishop, my faith is not fully developed. But man, 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 with the little faith I've had, I've, oh, I've seen God answer some big prayers. Amen. I've seen God solve some big problems. I've seen God do some amazing things in my life or for me or through me or for others. 
even though our faith is not fully developed. Say hallelujah. First lesson, we have a faith problem. We have an unbelief problem that limits us. Second lesson, don't wait until it's perfect before you start using it. Whatever you have, God can still do awesome things with it. Go ahead and use your faith to receive healing. Go ahead and use your faith to receive a financial breakthrough. Go ahead and use your faith to have a, a major solution to a huge problem that you are facing. Don't worry about the size of your faith. What ultimately really, really matters is the size of your God. And the greater the revelation of the size of your God, the greater your faith will be. It kind of happens that way. The more I see God for who he is and I see his power, I see his love, I see his grace. Faith is birth or faith grows. The more I see him for who he is. Are you still here? Hallelujah. So we've shared with you two big lessons. And here's the, here's the third one. And, and I'm going to focus on this and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. If you have a problem with your teeth, where do you go? You go to a dentist, right? Because a dentist is equipped to solve teeth problems. Huh? If you have a problem with a car, where do you go? Why? The mechanic is equipped to solve car problems. If you have a problem with your with your with your toilet or your sink. What do you do? Aha, uh -huh. a plumber is equipped to solve plumbing problems. When you have a faith problem, who do you go to? You see, you think you got to solve the faith problem and then go to Jesus. No, no, if I have an unbelief problem or a faith problem, I should take that faith problem to the one who's equipped to solve it. I, if I have an unbelief problem, I should go to the one who can fix unbelief. Call his name. Jesus. Call his name. Jesus. The scripture says he's the author <laughs> and the finisher of our faith. If you read the different translations, I love the way they translate. He's the, he's the beginner and he's the completer of our faith. He is the beginner. He's the perfecter of faith. That's, it. That's what I believe the Amplified Bible says, the New American Standard one. He's the perfecter of faith. So if my faith is incomplete, I need to take it not to the dentist. I need to take it to Jesus. I don't need to sit down and say, oh, my faith is not perfect. No. I'm going to take this incomplete faith. And I'm going to go to Jesus and say, you're the completer of faith. You take this faith that is not complete and I bring it to you that you may complete it. Jesus, you're the perfecter of faith. I take this faith that is not perfect and I bring it to you that you might perfect it. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to try to perfect the faith to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and say, Jesus, perfect it for me. Jesus, complete it for me. Jesus, I have an unbelief problem. Help my unbelief. That was what this man was doing. He was saying, Jesus, yeah, I agree. I got a faith problem. I got an unbelief problem. But you are not just a soul saver. You are also a heart fixer. And the old people say, a mind regulator. So whatever the situation right now, I come, Lord, I need you to fix my heart or I need you to fix my mind. I need you to work on this faith. 
and complete it for me. Whatever is missing from it, add it. Oh, my goodness. And that's what the man, the father, did. When he brought his son to Jesus, uh, to his disciples, and the disciples of Jesus couldn't do it. When Jesus came from the mountain, he went to Jesus. He turned to Jesus with his son's problem. He, and how many of you know that's always a good thing to do when you have a problem is to turn to Jesus, to bring your problem to Jesus? So the man brought his problem to Jesus, which it initially was the problem of his son. But Jesus diagnosed that he had another problem, and it was a problem of unbelief. And by the time the story is over, Jesus fixes the unbelief problem and the sickness problem. Say hallelujah. You know, when we read this story, we focus on the healing of the boy. And that was a mighty miracle. This boy was healed and delivered by Jesus. But there was another problem that got fixed in that story. It was the problem of unbelief. Remember, it was the unbelief that was limiting the miracle. It was the unbelief that was preventing the miracle. But when Jesus came down from that mountain and Jesus came to where the young man was and where the father was, Jesus not only took care of the sickness problem, in that encounter, Jesus took care of the unbelief problem. Because at the end of the day, the miracle happened. Why? Jesus had done something about the unbelief that was limiting and preventing the miracle. Say, Lord, take care of my unbelief also. Come on, say, Lord, I heard... You are the perfecter of faith. I heard you are the fixer of unbelief. I hear you don't want to heal bodies. You don't want to save souls. You fix hearts. You regulate minds. You are a faith fixer also. Somebody who needs their faith fixed should be thanking God now because you just brought your faith to Jesus and he's going to fix it. So that the unbelief that has been preventing you will no longer prevent you because Jesus fixes our faith problem. Hallelujah. So he brings his son to Jesus and Jesus identifies the problem of unbelief and he cries out to Jesus, he said, Jesus, please, if my unbelief is the problem, then please fix that so that you can fix my son. If my unbelief is what's limiting, Lord, take care of it so that you can fix my son. Hallelujah. He turns to Jesus with a sickness problem, which his son had, and with an unbelief problem, that he didn't know he had. Jesus diagnosed the root and ended up fixing both the sickness and the unbelief. Will Jesus do that for you? Will Jesus do that for me? Yeah. The last time I wrote, the Bible says he is no respecter of person. So if he didn't send this man and his son away empty-handed, but 
took the time to fix the problem caused by his unbelief, then hear me. Jesus is not a respecter of persons. So where I fall short, I come to Jesus believing that he's the author and the fixer of my faith. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. He supplies my faith with what my faith lacks in order to make it complete. If you go to the store and you need $100 to buy something, you only have 80 or you only have 10, I can come along and give you 90 and complete it. But Christ doesn't just give you 90, he gives you far more than you need. So after you got what you got, you're still living with a lot left over. Say hallelujah. Say glory be to God. So this is what happens in the story, guys. Jesus fixes the faith problem and the sickness problem. And I'm saying to you, the good news is he will do it for us too. Because he is the author and the fixer of faith. So Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, look only unto Jesus. Look only unto Jesus. You don't take your teeth problem to a vet. You take a teeth problem to a dentist. You take your faith problem to Jesus. Don't look anywhere else. Look, oh, oh my goodness. Don't go somewhere else and say, let me fix my faith, then I come to Jesus. No, come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what? I got this problem, but I also got a faith problem, and I want you to do both. <laughs> take care of the sickness problem. Take care of the faith problem. Whatever needs to be taken care of first, you do what you got to do, but I expect you to do both. Hallelujah. Here's what the scripture says concerning Jesus. Oh, I love him, I love him, I love him. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. How? By Christ. You know what that verse means? It means God has only one solution for every problem. He meets every need one way. Through Jesus Christ. Hmm? It means every need you and I have when we come to God, God has only one solution. He supplies every need through Jesus. Our greatest need, it was a need for righteousness. We all sinned before show the glory of God. We were unrighteous. We were dead in trespasses and sins, right? We're all lost and on our way to hell. What a problem. That is and continues to be the greatest problem. How did God solve the problem? He sent Jesus. That's all he did. He sent Jesus and Jesus became the solution to the sin problem. So I was a sinner. Jesus came in. He died for me. He rose for me, he lives in me, he lives through me, and now my sin problem, my righteousness problem is solved. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for me, so that now through Jesus I am the righteousness of God in Christ. How did he solve my sin problem? He sent Jesus. How did he solve my wisdom problem? Jesus has made unto me wisdom. 
He sent Jesus. How does he solve our sickness problem? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we were healed. These things happened that it might be fulfilled that he bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities. One solution, Jesus. That's why Jesus could stand and say, I am the way. I'm the way to your solution. I'm your way to your, to your uh, uh, answer. I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the way to your miracle. I'm the truth. And I am the life. I am the power that overcomes death. I am the power that overcomes the devil. I am the power that overcomes disease. I am life. I am life. I am life. I am the power, the force at work in your spirit. Enabling you to be and do everything you need to be and do for the glory of God. I am God's one and only solution. You don't need to look anywhere else once you receive God's answer. Jesus. He supplies all our needs. And I submit to you, the greatest need I have is for faith. And if he supplies every other need and doesn't supply my need for faith, my needs are unmet. <laughs> I'm in still in a very pitiful stage if he doesn't help me with my faith. If I can't look to him to meet my need for faith, then I'm still in trouble. Because every promise of God requires faith to walk in it. But here's the good news. When he says, my God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory, it also includes our need for faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of faith. How does he solve the need for righteousness? That's the same way he solves every other need. He sends Jesus. Jesus dies for us. Jesus obtains forgiveness for sins. And then because our sins are forgiven, Jesus puts himself into us. And now everything that is in Jesus now becomes ours by grace. Righteousness, his righteousness, now in you by grace. Wisdom, his wisdom, now inside of you, by grace. Faith, his perfect faith, now in you. Because he is in you. His faith now is credited to you. This is what Paul was saying. Go to Galatians 2.20. Listen to what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Now, now do you know what the literal trans translation is? The literal translation is, I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of, of, in the Greek, of, say of, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God. This is my iPad. This is the iPad of Bishop Johnson. What does it mean? It means this iPad belongs to me and not to you. And if I hand it over to Dr. Patricia here, it's still my iPad. I'm letting her use. And as long as she has my iPad in her possession, she doesn't need to get one for herself. She just needs to take full advantage of my iPad. And what this scripture says is that, listen to the good news. Paul said, I am living this life, which means I'm living this life of power. I'm living this life of faithfulness to God. I'm living this life of victory over sin. I'm living this life of victory over trials and tests. I'm living this triumphant life. And this is how I am living this triumphant life. I'm getting answers to prayer. This is how I'm getting answers to prayer. I'm getting financial breakthroughs. This is how I'm getting financial uh, breakthroughs. I'm getting wisdom to solve difficult problems. This is how I'm getting wisdom to solve difficult problems. This is how I'm doing it. I'm doing it by the faith of the Son of God. In other words, this is how I'm doing it. I'm doing it by placing my faith in the sufficiency of his faith inside of me. I'm doing it by relying no longer on my faith. Because my faith has a problem. My faith is not fully developed yet. My faith is mm, sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down. So I've decided instead of placing my faith in my faith, I'm going to take my faith big or small and I'm going to take that faith and I'm going to anchor it. I'm going to tie it. I'm going to connect it. I'm going to join it to the faith of Jesus so that now my faith is being energized by his faith and his perfect faith is at work in me. It's like taking a wagon and, and hooking it up to two, three, four, five, six horses. And those horses are going along and the, the, the wagon is following. So I take my imperfect faith and I hook it, join it to the perfect faith of Jesus and allow the faith of Jesus to drive, rule, and direct and be in control of the faith issue. Is it clear? Because this is a point I really want you to get. So now I realize because my faith is imperfect, this is how God has solved my faith problem. He has given Jesus, because he always solves every problem through Jesus, to die for me so that all of my sins are forgiven, so that Christ now can live inside of me, so that everything that is in him can now become mine. So on the inside of me and on the inside of you, it's not just that weak and developed faith. In Christ, his faith is now working for you, in you, and through you. The same way his righteousness is working for you 
in you and through you, the same way his Holy Spirit is working in you, for you, and through you, the same way his right standing is working in you, for you, and through you, guess what? His perfect faith is now working for me, in me, and through me. So now, even though I'm still aware of the weaknesses of my faith, I realize all I need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Why? Because I can take the faith that is the size of a mustard seed and I can hook it, connect it to his perfect faith. And all of a sudden, my faith becomes as perfect as his faith because his faith is now operating in me. He said, Bishop, but I'm still struggling in my mind. Yeah, that's my faith. My faith is just struggling. His faith is perfect. And I'm not putting my faith in my faith. I'm putting my faith now in his perfect faith. So I can say now, you know what? Yeah, my faith is struggling there, but my goodness, my faith is in his faith. My faith is in his faithfulness. Are you hearing me? Father, I receive this answer to prayer because of the perfect faith and the faithfulness of Jesus which he has exercised on my behalf. Father, I take possession of this miracle and I thank you for this miracle because of the perfect faith of the Son of God in me and his perfect faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, this is mine. And the devil say, but you're doubting. You don't have perfect, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not putting my faith in my faith. I am living this life no longer by my faith. I'm living this life by putting my faith in the faith that belongs to the Son of God. That faith is now working for me in God's presence. His faith is now receiving answers to prayer. His faith in me is now moving mountains. His faith in me is now giving me breakthrough. His faith at work in me is now pleasing God. His faith at work in me is now causing me to do works of love. I'm living this life now. Not by my own insufficient faith, but I'm living this life now by trusting in, relying in the sufficiency of the faith of the Son of God. Hear me, guys. What we couldn't do for ourselves with our faith, Jesus did for us with his faith. By his faith, he secured righteousness for us. By his faith, he secured healing for us. By his faith, he secured wisdom for us. By his faith, he pleased God for us. And now, what do we need? To place our faith. Not in our faith, but to place our faith in him whose faith is perfect. Go to Galatians 2.16, and if you can do it in the King James, that would be great. So I want you to see something. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.16, King James. Let's read it together. Knowing that a man is not justified by the... In other words, you're not justified by what you do. That's what it means. But how are we justified, made righteous in God's sight? By the what? The faith... The faith... What does that mean? Jesus used his faith to bring us justification. It took faith in God 
for him to die for our sins. He had to use faith in God to go to that cross. He has to use faith in God to become sin and believe he will still be, be rise again. He had to have faith in God to die. He had to have faith to rise. He had to have faith that his blood would bring salvation to the whole world. It is by his faith that everything necessary for our justification was done. You and I did nothing to secure our justification. He, by his faith and his perfect obedience, provided us with justification. He has accomplished our justification by his faith. So you no longer have to believe God for justification. You need to just acknowledge Jesus by his faith and obedience has already justified you. So now you use a little faith to believe that by his perfect faith, he did it. But by the faith of the faith that belongs to Jesus, the faith that comes from Jesus, we are what? Justified. Even we have done what? Believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the... We have done what? Believed in Jesus that we might be justified by the faith of Jesus. So it is by the faith of Jesus that every promise is fulfilled. That's why Paul says all the promises of God... In Christ Jesus are now, yes, they have all been fulfilled. He met the condition for us. He was our representative. He met the condition of perfect faith that we didn't have. He met the condition of perfect obedience. He met the condition of perfect faithfulness. As our substitute legal representative, he met all the conditions that we couldn't meet. Therefore, he received and accomplished and has taken possession of all the promises for us. So all the promises of God has been fulfilled in Jesus. So I, don't, I no longer have to use my faith to believe for the fulfillment of a promise. I need to use my faith to believe that he has obtained the promise already. And the promise is already fulfilled because he used his faith on my behalf. So what is my responsibility, Bishop? Am I not to do anything with the little faith I have? Yeah, take the little faith you have and do what? Put it in Jesus. Did you hear me? Take the little faith and say, Jesus, I believe in your faith. I believe that by your faith and your obedience, you did everything necessary and you obtained the promise and it's now fulfilled. My faith now is in Jesus. And that means I am now believing that he, as my substitute, by his faith and his obedience, already has done everything on my behalf, met every condition for me to walk in God's best. Now my part is to believe not for the blessing, but to believe in the blesser. And declare that he by his faith and his obedience has done everything. And now what do I do with my faith? I use my faith to acknowledge every good thing that I have in Christ Jesus according to Titus chapter 2 and for lay failing man. Are you here? Raise your hand to heaven and say, Father, I thank you. I believe in Jesus. He is the solution to every problem, the answer to every question. I believe in the sufficiency of his faith and his faithfulness on my behalf. And I believe 
even though my faith is not perfect, his faith is. And I thank you that his perfect faith is now working in me, for me, through me. His perfect faith has been credited to me. I thank you, Father. I am sufficient in Christ Jesus. My faith is sufficient in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Jesus, you are the one who completes what is missing in my life. Thank you for making my faith complete in you. So hear me. Look at that problem that you've been wavering and wondering, oh, if I only had faith and say, you know what? I admit my own faith is not perfect. That's why I'm not trusting my faith. I'm taking this faith and I am declaring that this I do know. The faith of Jesus is perfect. And he has used his faith and by his faith and his obedience, he has provided, he has secured, he has received this miracle for me. So thank you, Jesus. Are you hearing me? Say to that mountain by the power of his faith in me, which is perfect, I command you to leave. Are you hearing me? This is what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. If right now you are waiting for the manifestation of some type of healing miracle in your life, stand to your feet. Don't let this opportunity, if, you, if you're waiting for the manifestation, because the manifestation may not be yet. So you're, you're waiting for the manifestation. Raise your hand. I'm trying to see who's behind. Who's behind? The, the, the gentleman raising his hand. Who, come, come. I can't, I can't tell who you are because you got, is that, who, who's that there? Please come, come. Is, I can't. Is that Deacon? Uh, it's hard to, I'm sorry, you're far and Come, come. Come on, keep on raising your hand and worship you. You already know about God's healing because you've experienced it before, right? Both of you are believing God for miracles. Both of you. Okay. So right now, we no longer have to believe God for it because we just learned that Jesus did the believing for you. He exercised on your behalf the perfect faith that was necessary to receive the fulfillment of the promise. And he's already taken possession of it. So you don't have to go to the Father and say, Father, no, no, Christ did that for you by his perfect faith. He's already taken possession of it. You already, it, uh, your conditions have already been met. Christ has already obtained it by his faith and obedience. Do you believe that his faith God is about to manifest what Christ already accomplished for you right now. In both of you, not one of both of you. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is now doing what only he can do. He is now witnessing to the power of the resurrected Jesus. And right now, what Jesus secured for you by his perfect faith and obedience is now manifesting in your lives. Raise your hands to heaven and say, Lord, 
I take possession of my miracle right now by the power of your faith I speak to this situation in Jesus name you will exist no more in Jesus name you shall exist no more not in my body not in my circumstances not in my family I speak to you depart from my life and do not return by the faith of Jesus it is so now look at me look at me I speak to you and Deacon look at me I speak to you I don't know what the details are it doesn't matter I know what the answer is and I'm telling you now in the name of Jesus and by the power that we have through our union with him I deliver you I heal you I set you free in Jesus name from this condition they will not remain today what Christ did for you the Holy Spirit bears witness by manifesting it now in Jesus name and both of you will come back with a testimony He said, Bishop, why are you speaking with such boldness? Because it's not my faith. My little faith is in his big faith. And I know his big faith is sufficient. You don't need to cry anymore unless those, unless those tears are tears of joy. Amen. Unless those tears are tears of joy, I'm telling you by the power of the Spirit of God who bears witness to the resurrection of Jesus, you are set free. Jesus told him, go show yourself to the priest. I don't know who you need to show yourself to, but show yourself to whoever you need to show. And then come back and testify to what God has done. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Come on, you are, who are waiting for manifestation, raise your hand. Because, because, oh, in the name of Jesus, I stretch my hands towards you now. And by the power by the power of my union with Christ. Oh, thank you. You know, Jesus at the grave of Lazarus, he said, Father, I thank you. He said, I'm saying this so they can hear. So I am praying this way, not because the Father needs me to pray this way, because I want you to hear. The Father's already heard me in Christ. Now I want you to hear. Jesus, by the power of my union with you and by the power of your faith that is credited and is at work in our lives and in my life too I speak to the situations in their bodies I speak oh my goodness to every type of disease cancer you don't frighten us tumors you don't frighten us diabetes you don't frighten us Arthritis, you don't frighten us. Heart condition, you don't frighten us. In the name that is above all name, and by the power of his faith, I set you free. I say to you, be healed in Jesus' name. 
I speak to the conditions in your body and I command those conditions to move. And not only move, don't come back. When Jesus spoke to the demon, he said, go and don't come back. So I'm not saying, don't just leave, you sickness. You don't just leave, you spirit that is causing it. You go and in Jesus' name, do not return. Raise your hands and say, Lord, I acknowledge I have received, taken possession of healing by his faith. It's mine. Oh, my goodness. Say it one more time. By his faith, it's mine. So be it. You may be seated. Now hear me. Promise me this. Because, you see, the manifestation for some will be instant. The manifestation for others will be over a period of time. Because the Bible says, in some cases, they begin to recover. Whether it's instant or it starts, something has happened. Now, observe yourself over the course of this week. And then communicate with us what you've noticed. Because the Holy Spirit has borne witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Margaret, I don't know why I was felt prompted to pray for you earlier, but the Holy Spirit definitely directed me to lay hands upon you. So whatever it is or was, something has changed in your situation. In Jesus' name. And I want you too to let me know what the Lord just did for you today. Come on, say he's alive in me. Say his faith is working in me. His righteousness is working in me. His love and ability are working in me. His life is working in me. When you leave here today, wherever you go, don't forget that. And allow him to work through you the same way he worked through me. Let him work through you because there are many miracles that you will be the instrument to perform. And as those miracles happen, share the testimonies. Jesus said, go to Legion, go and tell, publish the things the Lord has done for you. And we want you, even you who are watching online, the power of God is not limited to this place. Thank God for grace. Wherever you are, you go ahead right now and acknowledge the presence and the power of the faith of Jesus. And acknowledge that and you can receive your miracle, the manifestation of your miracle right there too. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you have not yet received Jesus, or if you're watching and you have not yet received Jesus, now is the time. Now is the time. Hands raised up. Anyone here who has not yet received Christ as your Lord and Savior, anyone watching, acknowledge it. Now hear me, I'm not telling you give your life to Jesus. Because that's, that's, your need is not to give your life to Jesus. Your need is to receive his life. His life is a gift to you. And if you know that there's so many things lacking in your life and you need someone to complete what's lacking, then you definitely need to receive Jesus right now. If your faith is lacking, then you need to receive him to complete your faith. 
If you're lacking in righteousness, you need to receive him to complete what you lack as far as righteousness. Whatever you lack, he's the solution to. Come and raise your hand. Everybody, church, let's pray. Say, Father God, this morning, I acknowledge I need the Savior, the healer, the life giver. I need Jesus in my life. I believe, Jesus, you died for my sins. I believe you arose from the grave. I believe you're the Savior of the world. And I declare you now to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you. Come into my life. Change me for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, acknowledging your need for Christ and then inviting him to become the Lord and Savior of your life, he just heard that prayer. And the Bible says when you do that, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I want to be the first one to declare your sins are all forgiven in Christ Jesus. Now, please contact us. You know, contact us. Uh, whatever the instructions are that you're viewing right now on, on the screen as you watch us via live stream or social media, communicate with us because we want to help you grow in Jesus' name.